0: Hey, welcome to episode 85 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Steven Stiles, and we are back again again already. What's also amazing in this particular episode is where does one begin? It has just been an insane week with lots of things to talk about. Starting with Ken Hughes wants more offense in Montreal. Montreal desperately needs more offense. They're looking to add more offense. And unfortunately there's been this automatic, oh, well we have to acquire someone or Montreal has to mortgage their future or Montreal should trade away half their roster. Why is there an obsession with trading away the prospects. Ken Hughes doesn't have one. He likes his prospects, and he should. There's a lot of really, really good prospects. And I have argued all year long, last offseason, the season before, and the off season before that, that Montreal's prospects that they already have are better than any talent they're going to acquire elsewhere. Montreal pulled off a great trade, led by Ken Hughes, in the 2022 draft for Kirby Doc. They used the position of excessive talent, if you can even say that, by dealing a highly skilled, highly touted, young left-wing defensive prospect in Alexander Romanoff, landing the 13th pick, sending that to Chicago for Kirby Doc, And I still maintain that If Doc comes back healthy, which I think he will this year, after he's going to miss, again, 80 out of 82 games, which is just... Brutal and has been the injury this year that has shifted the whole roster. Forget about just affecting players' developments. When that injury happened early this year to Kirby Doc, it shifted everything. And then you add Alex Newhook on top of that, who I said at the time when they said was only going to be out three months, it's like, ah, oh, bet he's out longer. And he's getting there. He's just about on top of it as far as being out longer. But Montreal has got better prospects than they're going to acquire. Doc was a great acquisition. Doc is exactly what they've needed and tried to draft for a long, long time. That six foot four, 212, long reaching, lanky, skilled, puck possession keeping, highly effective as a puck distributor center, which again, To just continue to hammer on, they've been trying to acquire that since they drafted people like Doug Wickenheiser in 1980. It's been that long since they've had that center. That's old news, okay? But unless somebody's going to trade to Montreal, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Nathan McKinnon, that kind of talent, there's nothing Montreal doesn't already have within its own pipelines. I just don't understand the continuous, oh my God, we got to acquire, fill in the blank, wh- whoever that player is. Why do people want high contracts, players that are not going to be around most likely in in almost every trade scenario that's been suggested, when the Canadians become a prominent and dominating team year in and year out and can contend legitimately for the Stanley Cup. I just don't get this. Oh, send that away, send that player away. Oh, put like six or seven prospects together and just get rid of them for this one guy. No. That is not what Montreal needs to do. That is a knee-jerk reaction. And I don't know if people are too lazy, I don't know if people are too impatient and don't want to wait and think somehow their desire for Montreal to win now is more important than building this team right, which would be absolutely absurd and insane that anybody would think they're that important. No one on the planet is. That is just amazingly bad asset management, team management, team building. That is incredible. That is exactly the kind of thought that keeps teams in any league, at any level, in any sport, bottom league feeders permanently. Stop with the mortgaging and wanting to trade everybody away. With that said, let's look at the established players and even some prospects that Montreal Could leverage because they have so many and a lot of these prospects are not going to be the A-list prospects that I'm going to talk about because of course you want that for your team but it could net you continued draft asset or maybe you could package some of these people or in the case of the established players I'm going to mention you can get out of contracts you can free up cap space you can keep flexibility and, and putting in new players young players to gain experience gel with the team and create chemistry. And I know some people are going to sit there and say, oh, well, you, you know, eventually you got to have a lot of veterans in there too. No, you don't. No. The rookies in Montreal, the young players that are on the team right now, Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, Caden Gooley, just to name a few, don't need veteran leadership. They're doing just fine. Kirby Doc, before he got injured, is doing just fine. Alex Newhook was growing into a role just fine. Uribe Stavkoski is doing just fine and has made significant improvement just with the guidance of his head coach, Martin St. Louis. So you don't need to bog down the roster or take up roster spots. It's like, oh, well, you know, we got to bring in a couple of 35-year-olds or older, like Corey Perry. Don't get me wrong. When Corey Perry was with the Canadians the last time, yes, he was an integral part. Yes, I would have loved to see them keep him at that time for two more years. Not now, not now. You already got Brendan Gallagher there. And Brendan Gallagher right now is as useful, as versatile, as experienced or more than Corey Perry. So you don't need redundancy there and now taking up two roster spots with older people when you're trying to find a roster spot for people, and I know he's a fan favorite, Joshua Roy. Why would you bother bringing him up from the Val if you're not gonna give him top six minutes all the time? And you're not gonna be able to do that If you got a Corey Perry or a Brendan Gallagher sitting there, A, they're making a ton more money. B, they're veterans that don't want to be insulted. So Roy is going to slide down the ladder. That's not going to help his development. He needs lots of ice time. He needs to be a right wing on a Cole Caulfield-Nick Suzuki line. Centered by a talented center, maybe in the future with Owen Beck and Sean Farrell. Who knows? But I'm putting combinations out there with like minded skills, skills that can offset and complement him, and top six to nine minutes in the game between the top 6 to 9 forwards on the team. So let's take a look at who Montreal can move since so many people want to make trades and unfortunately even in this cases I don't want to see him make trades to bring in other players. I want to see him make trades to continue to gain draft capital and number 1 picks. I know even Ken Hughes has said they've got 22 picks in the next couple of drafts and there's no way he's going to use them all. I'll bet he uses all of his first and seconds. Again, unless he's being offered a con- or McDavid or something. So here's the list of players I think they have the ability to move and can bring back significant asset or draft capital to the team and rid them of contract and rid them of potentially injured players, players that are maybe on the back side of their careers or will be soon. That list includes Josh Anderson, Sean Monahan, Tanner Pearson, Joel Mia, David Savard, Matheson, Jake Allen. On the prospect side, you want to move prospects? I don't think Justin Braun is part of the future top six. I don't. He's too inconsistent. He'll have a game that you'll sit there and go, wow, where'd this player come from and where has he been? He'll have other games you're like, huh, I haven't even noticed him on the ice for four or five games. Flip Erickson, Alexander Gordine, Oliver Kapanen, Ty Solanek, Nicholas Bodine. Luke Milstead, Baturi Nurmi, Daniel Sobolev, Miguel Torgany, Quentin Miller, let's not leave out Christian Dvorak. Unfortunately, he's injured for the rest of the year. Would have been great to be able to move him. Move those kinds of players. Because the younger players that I mentioned, some of which that were even drafted in the later rounds in the 2023 draft, could they make it? Yes, absolutely. There could be all kinds of surprises. There's just not going to be the room. As, we, as we've talked about in previous episodes, I mean, if you look especially defensively, David Reinbacher, Lane Hudson, Logan Mylou, Caden Gooley, Arbor Jackye, Jaden Struble, seventh defenseman on that list, Jordan Harris. They're all young. They're all under 23. Most of them are 21 or younger. There's no room. And they're going to be there a long time. And that didn't even include Adam Angstrom and several other highly touted defensive prospects. There's just no room. And on that list of younger prospects, Matthias Norlander should be listed on that list to be traded. He's just not gonna get a fair shot. And then on the offense, you've already got Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, Joshua Roy, Alex Newhook, Kirby Doc, Yuri Slavkowski, Flip Wilson, or Emil Heineman, Owen Beck, and Sean Farrell. Your fourth left wing at this point, Michael Pozzetta Fourth line center, Lucas Condata. You've already got Xavier Simino, Riley Kidney to find places for. Whichever of the, and most likely it will be Emil Heinemann. There's another right winger for that line. You've got your people. And that roster can legitimately compete with any other team and contend. And now to the goaltenders, because that's the next thing that's just remained an insane conversation out there. Oh my God, I cannot believe Montreal still has three goaltenders. I can. Why is this such a problem? Why are so many people, it's like, oh, three goaltenders, that's just not going to work. Again, nobody has really stepped forward and grabbed a hold of it with a chokehold and said, I'm not letting go of the number one position. It's mine. I'm keeping it. Yeah. Monaghan, yeah, Montembeau has had some good games. Montembeau's put together some good strings. Montembeau has earned his new contract. All of that is true. Montembeau got crushed last night by the Boston Bruins allowing eight goals before he was replaced by Caden Primo, who got crushed the night before. So Montembeau and Primo are the goaltenders of the future right now because of their age, because they can Grow with the team because they can gel with the team, and I've been arguing that I think Caden Primo has a presence that the team plays better and different and more consistently in front of him than anybody else. Though I've read an article that says the exact opposite that the team doesn't see comfortable or seem comfortable with him in goal. I think the team seems more comfortable with him in goal than anybody else, including Montembeau, because they're used to Montembeau stealing the show for them. Caden Primo, it just feels more of a Team, everybody works together. I need something from you, you need something from me. I think they play the most cohesive game when Primo's in goal. And again, unfortunately, all of this has led to a great team guy, a great leader, a guy that's been around longer than either one of them, probably being the odd man out. That's Jake Allen, and is going to get traded. And speaking of people that have left Montreal, What is wrong with the people that wanted to boo Jonathan Drouin? Look folks, it's not like he was really bad on purpose. It wasn't a good match when he got there and the team did not do anything to help him by trying to make somebody who wasn't a natural center into a center if the anger and attitude is because he's a local francophone and well b- because of that he should just be able to do anything we want whatever we want that's nuts and stupidity at its finest okay he's still a person and by the way if anybody's upset it's like oh, I don't know why he's doing so well with Colorado have you looked at their roster Colorado is still with talent. You put any player with more talent, chances are they're going to play better because they got more talent. The best example ever. Would anybody have ever thought Dave Semenko and this goes back into the 80s, was a 70-plus point player in the NHL. Not a chance. He was with Wayne Gretzky. When he had Gretzky and Curry on that line, because he was Gretzky's protector, that's how good great talent makes somebody who's kind of known for a totally different skill set, a physical playing game, a protective type player, the stand-up guy, if you will. Jonathan Drouin is playing with Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon might arguably be the most complete, one of the strongest physically, one of the most gifted offensively, who also have a history together all the way back to playing in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League as teammates. You think there might be some chemistry and talent playing into that and explaining why Jonathan Duran has quote-unquote found his game, found a home, and gelled well with this team versus Montreal? Or is this all just some kind of black magic? Really? Come on, let's keep our heads in the game here. Speaking of Wayne Gretzky for a moment, there's a record of his that could be challenged here shortly by a player by the name of Alexander Ovechkin. And everybody appears to have the opinion at all about... God, Alexander Ovechkin isn't going to do anything now. He's fallen off the mountain cliff. He's done. He's gaining age every year. His game is changing. Let's not forget the Washington Capitals revamped the whole coaching staff. It's a different system. Let's not forget all the players that Ovechkin has played with that are now either gone or from that roster, or injured and not back yet, that changes up who you have to distribute the puck to you, what chemistry and what linemates you have and are playing with. Again, let's not overlook the obvious. And as we're talking about obvious and the trades that we've talked about, I don't get with the just outright willingness. And this is by other show hosts, by fans. Oh yeah, I'd trade Arbor Jackey. Really? Are you nuts? What is wrong with these people that want to trade Arbor Jackey? First of all, since he's been in Laval, his absence has been extremely apparent on the Montreal roster. Nobody on the Montreal roster has stood up to opposition like he did creating a position of intimidation saying, hey, you can attack my player, but then you're gonna answer to me. A lot of people seem to think Jaden Struble has replaced Arbor Jack guy, not even close. Now, Jaden Struble, personally, one of my favorite prospects for the Montreal Canadiens. Personally, I think he has a future on a pairing, ironically, with Jack Eye as their legitimate long-term top six defense. But he is not Arbor Jacki. Jaden Struble has not replaced Arbor Jack-Eye. Jaden Struble does not have the physical presence or ability or intimidation factor of Arbor Jack-Eye. He's no better than Arbor Jackeye with skating. He's no better than Arbor Jackeye in the transition game. I haven't seen Jaden Struble have that blister of a cannon shot yet from the point, Jack-Eye does. I haven't seen Jaden Struble come in and deke a goaltender and beat him on the low pad side or low glove side of his goal. I've seen Jack Eye do all that. I've seen Jack Eye finally stand up and represent his teammates like nobody's done in the organization since Chris Nylon, Maybe with a little Lido Odelin, a little John Kordick here and there, but that's about it. It's been a sprinkling since Chris Nylon was on that roster. Jack Eye has that presence, that fear factor, that intimidation factor that nobody else has had. Why are so many people, oh, I'd trade Jack Guy. I don't think Jack is gonna be a future part or, or a main future part of that defenseman. Are you nuts? I maintain to this moment, even above Nick Suzuki, even above Cole Caulfield and Kirby Doc, Anybody else you want to put on that list? Caden Gooley, Uribe Sikoski, Arbor Jackeye is the MVP. Now and for the foreseeable future of that team. Let's not forget the ultimate I don't care about my teammates move of Jeff Petrie from two years ago when the Canadians played the Columbus Blue Jackets and watched one of their players plow into Jake Allen in his goal. He wasn't outside of his goal. He was in his goal. Petrie watched that Blue Jacket plow into Allen and did nothing about it. Just stood in the corner kind of like, Oh, I don't know. I'm not going to do anything. And skated back to his own bench. He should have been suspended by the team for the rest of the year. That is an outright I could care what happens to my teammates. And Montreal has been manhandled for decades because of that absence. And the other thing that blows my mind is. All the fans and everybody in the media that has said over the past three or four decades, Montreal's not big enough. Montreal can't handle physical players from the opposition. Montreal can't intimidate anybody. Montreal can't play on an even level, especially with the Western Conference with the Kings, the Stars, the Sharks, the Golden Knights. Montreal, too small, too small, too many small players. Gallagher, Pernard, you know, all the defense. Victor Matei, you know, all these players that have come and go too small, too small. Now you've got size. Now you have physical intimidation by a player who can also play. Isn't a Stu Grimson, isn't a pure fighter, a Bob Probert or something like that? And those guys, I thought, were far more than fighters, by the way, just to throw that in so nobody thinks I'm insulting them or classifying them unfairly. But this starts to answer that. And yes, Yes, Jaden Struble is a physically solid, gifted player. And the younger players that they've brought up, like Gouley, like Slavkowski, added Doc at 6'4", 212. Nick Suzuki, yeah, he's 5'11", but he's approaching 215. So Montreal's gotten over that. What happened to that of Montreal needs to get stronger and larger and faster and can play it any way you want? That was demanded by fans for 30 plus years, has that suddenly gone away? This brings me to the perfect topic to conclude and wrap up with for episode 85. And that is Patrick Waugh is back, his Sentence, his punishment, whatever somebody wants to call it, has ended. And the New York Islanders president and general manager, Lou Lamorello, who I think is not only one of the best general managers, also has one of the strongest personalities and will ensure that nothing that's happened previously with Wah will happen in this position, has brought him in and is the perfect coaching candidate and long-term guy, at least for the next three to five years for the New York Islanders. He will bring passion. He will bring all kinds of other emotional engagement. He will bring competitiveness. He will bring expectations, performance levels. Patrick Waugh was a great hire by Lou Lamorello, and I think will work perfectly with Lou Lamorello. I think that was a great hire. I Unfortunately, you never want to see somebody get fired like Lane Lambert did, but if you're gonna replace a coach, somebody like Patrick Waugh, and of course, don't forget Lou Lamorell has done that in the past, where he brought Larry Robinson in with the New Jersey Devils one year with like eight games to go and won the cup that year. I'm not saying Wah's gonna win the cup as the New York Islanders coach, but he is going to turn that team around and get the most out of his players. And I am so glad for him that he gets to do that in a non-Canadian market where he won't just be completely attacked every day by the media. Although he's in New York, New York is the media capital of the world. That being said, you can disappear in New York. There's too much going on and too many people. It's a lot easier to melt into the backgrounds. That's why so many players don't mind playing for the Rangers or the Islanders. Rangers are an original six. Everybody's like, that must be a high pressure market. It is, but you can blend in. And it's such a diverse city. Nobody stands out, which will be great for Wah so he can do his job. On that note, thanks for tuning into episode 85 of the Hockey free for all podcast i'm your host steven styles have a fantastic upcoming week